I'm one of those people that have toilet paper. I'm not going to lie. Toilet paper for about three months. We've stockpiled. What, three but, months worth of yeah, toilet paper? But what? I also have a lot. I have room in my house for the toilet paper. Oh, I probably goodness. shouldn't have told you that because now because store shelves are empty. And now I'm going to be one of the people that people are looking towards for the toilet paper. You're going to get price, a knock on your door? I'll offer it to you guys at a good price. Can you spare a square? Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I don't have a square to spare, my friend. Um, but how much is in your wallet is my question. No, what a lot of people are saying, this is ridiculous and foolish to stock up that way. But, I, you know, we have a lot. We always have things in our pantry. So we're kind of ready for any, you know, if we have to self-isolate for a certain amount of time. Um, but there are, uh, people that think this is ridiculous. We've opened up the phone lines before, uh, people that think, Hey, it's no big deal. COVID-19. However, Canada just experienced our first death from COVID-19, an 80 year old man in a long-term care home in BC. And we are joined now by Dr. Allison McGear, who puts a great, um, perspective on what we're dealing with right now. She's dealt with SARS. She's an infectious disease specialist. Uh, with Sinai Health System, and you've heard her on the show before. Dr. McGeer, great to have you back. Morning, Kelly. Thanks for being here. So we've had our first death. Um, Does this confirm what some experts have been saying about coronavirus, that we are past the containment stage and we're now on to the mitigation of this virus? Yes, I think uh, I, I think we've recognized around the world now that you know we, we we got lucky with SARS that we could control it and eradicate it, but this virus is different and um, in in some ways different, good, much less severe than SARS, but um, not a virus that can be contained. So we are moving from um, attempting to contain it to trying to slow it down enough so that our healthcare system can deal with the surge and care for the number of people who are going to be ill. Okay, so what have we learned about coronavirus over the past few weeks on how it spreads, how long it lives on surfaces and the like? Well, we've learned a lot, but there's still there, there's still a lot of gaps. People are still working very hard every day to to try to fill in those gaps and get us as much information as we can um, before. Um, in particular in Canada, before we have to face infection. So that's not just about how it's transmitted. It's also about whether there are treatments that are work or preventive medication we can use um, and, and you know, a whole long list of, of questions that, you you know, three months in, it's amazing what we know, but there's still a lot of gaps. Okay, give us a quick idea. I know it's an it's open-ended question here because you could go on for quite a while, but for the average person, what do they have to know about how it spreads and how long it lives on surface? Well, you know, so for 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 the average person, um, we don't actually need to know a lot more. We, you know, the the it's frustrating, um, but the truth is that this virus is like a lot of other viruses, and the way to protect yourself and to protect other people is called clean your hands, stay home when you're sick, keep your hands away from your face, um, and. These are really boring public health messages, but they work, um, and and they unquestionably represent the best way for all of us to get through this. I think there's some people that are a little bit concerned because we've heard, you know, Josh Matlow is right now in his uh, self-isolation because he came in contact with someone who is now positive for coronavirus. On how long it stays on surfaces, that's a biggie. Do we know anything about that? So how long it stays on surfaces is the wrong question, okay? It doesn't get the only way it gets from surfaces to infect you 
is on your hands. If you clean your hands regularly, you don't need to worry about surfaces. Okay, how, how regular speaking, is regular? So when you go to bed at night, you should be able to count five times in the day. Okay, good to know. I mean, that, that does share some perspective for sure. Yeah, I think it's also true that, you know, sur- surfaces may play some role, but they're not the major route of transmission of respiratory viruses. Major route of transmission of respiratory viruses is from people who are ill, who are breathing or coughing or sneezing or talking, and you're within three feet of them. So, and and when when somebody when you're standing close to somebody and they're breathing, particles come out. They may land on your face, mm. and that's a problem. They may also land on your hands, and then when your hands go up and touch your face then you get infected. So it's not getting the virus on your hands doesn't do you any harm until you put your hands up to your face and transfer it to your eyes, your nose, your mouth. So really the the focus is on cleaning your hands regularly, mm. keeping your hands away from your face. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about not going into work when you're sick, not doing things when you're sick. We don't deliver very well because it's a pain to do. Yep. We for the next three months, we just need to do that. Okay, when you talk about that, don't go in, don't go into work when you're sick. What if you have a head cold? Still stay home. This is a respiratory virus. In most people, it causes pretty mild illness that is indistinguishable from a head cold. You're sick. Stay home. Alrighty, I might not be coming into work tomorrow. All right, so <laughs> more than 80% of COVID-19 infections are estimated to be mild. And, uh, you know, there were people calling in saying, hey, look, at I don't have to worry. I lived through SARS. The flu kills more people than coronavirus. Just for the sake of our audience, why is corona getting so much global attention and having such a massive impact on the way we live? We're seeing events being canceled. And uh, I, I'm just curious if you could, uh, Dr. McGeer, put it in perspective for people. So I think that this this outbreak this current outbreak of coronavirus is going to be worse than a flu season. That's that's the challenge. If you look at what's happening in Iran and in Italy, they're, they they haven't had a huge number of infections. You look at the risk to an individual in the population, it's not that large. But it represents a really substantially greater number of people than are ill than usual. So it's an enormous stress on the hospital system. They're already running out of intensive care unit beds in Italy. And so the the, the challenge is less that that what happens to each of us as an individual, because most people are not going to get that sick with it. Mm-hmm. The challenge is uh, maintaining our healthcare system so that we can take care of the people that are ill. That's what's going to be really hard work. And the balancing act for public health is trying to put in strategies that will slow this down, that will allow us to, to manage hospitals, be able to take care of people without disrupting things too much. And that, 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 that's going to be a really hard balance to hit. As, as you've already seen, right, lots of, you know, look at the, the, the depth of the quarantine in Italy and all of the self-isolation that's going on. It, it, it can be very disruptive. We want to absolutely minimize that disruption. But at the same time, we want to be able to take care of people who are sick. Okay, so this is a little bit eyebrow-raising. Um, there's a neurologist from Italy just diagnosed with coronavirus, had no symptoms. I just want to play you some audio here. This is from CTV. Yeah. Sorry, this is my only symptom now. I was even more surprised being a doctor because 
I didn't um, I didn't feel any of my very minor complaints were consistent with this infection. Okay, so that harkens to what you said about, you know, she said, I didn't feel any of my minor complaints uh, had anything to do with this infection. Our chief public health officer, Teresa Tam, said everyone who comes back to Canada um, from somewhere else should self-monitor for symptoms. Do you think that we're doing a good enough job about educating people on symptoms when this doctor had no idea that she had coronavirus? Well, I, you know, I, I hope we're doing better than that I, is, is the answer. I, I think if, if you've watched our public health system in Canada, I think peop, the, the, we see Dr. Teresa Tam on television regularly with our Minister of Health. And we, in Ontario, we've certainly seen Dr. Williams and Dr. Yaffe. And I, but I, I think we can't have too much health messaging. And there's no question that, um, y- you know, the major reason that people come to work when they have a respiratory illness is because it doesn't feel that bad. Right. And and you just think, well, you know, work is important. People are counting on me. I need to be there. Um, and and at, at least in the short term with this virus, we need to get past that. We we I need to be able to say if I'm have cold, even if I'm not feeling that sick, that I'm not coming into work. And my boss needs to be able to say, yep, okay, awesome, got it. Um, don't come into work. Um, if, you know, and, and there are lots of things that people can do to support that. Think about, you know, how people can work effectively at home. You know, what you can do if people are missing classes because you don't want people going to school if they're ill. So there are ways that we can support it and, and try to make it better. But it really, I, I, I really hope that people are listening when our public health people are telling us over and over and over again, right, don't come into work, don't go to school, don't go out to, you know, picnics parties dances when you're ill it speaks it speaks volumes to me (laughs) because i'm definitely guilty uh as charged right now um ontario stockpiled millions of face masks after sars apparently they're expired how is it possible that a face mask can expire um i'm a little puzzled but well um you've heard that story correct yeah, it's not the it's it's not the mask material itself that expires. It is the eventually over time, um, with with this is probably not face masks. This would be respirators probably, mm-hmm. um, and respirators because they seal to the face. They're attached to the face with elastic bands. So a mask has little ear loops or ties, and those don't degrade. But the um, but the elastic eventually on respirators um, becomes, as, as elastic bands do, right, it becomes stiffer and not so flexible, so um, they may expire. Now, I, I you know, I, I have heard this story. I know nothing about um, uh, its actual validity, um, and um, the when respirators expire has been a subject of some contention hmm. um, recently about what, what the appropriate expiry date is for them and what it means. Um, but um, uh, it, it, is, it is true that eventually respirators, the elastic on respirators, um, will probably um, no longer function as well as it ought to. I know you're really busy, so I just want to wrap this up with one more question. March break, um, an epidemiologist in Toronto is saying it is a terrible idea. 
Uh, that's because many people are asymptomatic in the first few days after contracting the coronavirus and the incubation period is between 1 and 14 days with an average of five days. Another infectious disease expert in Toronto has taken to Facebook to say, don't panic, don't stop using public transit, don't stop traveling. What is your professional opinion as an infectious disease specialist? So I, to me, the really hard part is, you know, what happens today and what happens tomorrow. At the moment in Toronto, very little transmission of COVID-19, if any, right? We, we have not had local cases. They've been acquired in other places so far. And so that means today, there's absolutely no reason to worry about going on the subway, going to movies, doing anything. By next week or the week after, that might have changed. So it and and I think it's dealing with that uncertainty of not knowing when that might happen mm-hmm. um, or how that, that's so hard. But ju- just right at the moment, Toronto is fine. And the the challenge of traveling at the moment is is less the virus, right? We're all going to have to cope with this virus. You, it, there are countries where it's somewhat higher risk but still pretty small numbers of cases around the world. Um, so, you you know, many people would normally travel, and from a, from a virus point of view, there's no reason not to travel. The difficult part is that because people are putting in quarantines and isolation, it's a little hard to predict when that's going to happen. If you travel, depending on where you go, you might get caught in one of those quarantines, and um, so you need to... It's that you need to think about as much as as the risk of the virus. Dr. McGeer, always a pleasure having you on. Thanks so much, and uh, I'll be taking the day off tomorrow. Thank you, Kelly. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. And I laugh only because I really, I, I was figuring, well, I'm not exhibiting any symptoms. I mean, not the same. I, uh, the runny nose isn't one of the coronavirus symptoms, but apparently... The goodly doctor says uh, take the time off if you've got a cold or sick at all.